everyone. Thanks so much for letting me be with you uh, today. And it's a real special treat having Bobby here uh, along. I came in and Jim, thanks so much for allowing us uh, to be here. It was interesting. Jim had said, uh, he said, and all these people are here so early. I got to tell you, uh, I left the Senate gym at 640 this morning. And at 640, 10 senators were there. Uh, members of the leadership of both parties, one of the presidential candidates who's actually a contender. These people are very <laughs> aggressive. <laughs> and that's the nature of the body. Now, the last time I was here, we were I was only here with Bill Cassidy, and we were talking about the health care law and the implications of it. And it seems that we're still talking about the health care law with the upcoming ruling of King versus Burwell. Jim, you put together a great program of upcoming speakers. When you look at Cory Gardner, I mean, you talk about somebody, you know, who is creative, energetic, uh, innovative. What a, what a great, uh, great new member of the Senate. You have Tom Tillis, who's been a Speaker of the House of the, of the, of the uh, Legislature in North Carolina, knows how things are working. Jerry Moran, who's going to be in here next month, uh, incredible job as the Chairman of the Republican Senatorial Committee. When we picked up nine seats under his leadership, picked up, took out five incumbents, so it tells you what... Uh, what an effort he put into it, as well as the fact that the people wanted the country to head in a different direction. He said, we're tired of this, we're not happy with the direction that the president has taken us in over uh, the last six years, and we need, a, we need a real change. Regrettably, the president said he was going to double down, and he was going to ignore what the electorate said, and he was going to use his uh, pen and his phone to try to do things that many of us don't feel is uh, even is right or legal, and has become a big fight on the Senate floor. But in spite of all of that, we are actually moving ahead. What you've seen are some of the stories about the first 100 days of the legislative process. Um, even Tom Daschle, former Democrat leader, and there's this bipartisan group of former leaders, they have come out and said that the Senate is actually moving again. They're working. There's a spark of energy that they hadn't expected. Uh, the, the headlines are that, the, the, uh, and it's kind of a press, liberal press, conservative press, uh, all around mainstream press, that things are different in terms of votes, in terms of bipartisan bills coming out of the, uh, coming out of the, of, of the committees. Uh, Bev just mentioned a bipartisan bill. I'm going to introduce another bipartisan bill today, the, the Waters of the United States that Cindy was asking me about a little earlier. It's going to be a bipartisan <coughs> press conference with Heidi Heitkamp and Joe Manchin and Joe Donnelly, uh, because we know these things are important for our states, our communities, and for the, and for the economies. Locally, you know, government basically can either create opportunity or crush opportunity based on regulations, first based on taxes, based on mandates. And what we've seen for the last six years is a way that I think it makes it a lot harder. So that the numbers out yesterday, the economic growth for the country, very sluggish. You know, the recovery, the, usually if there's a downturn, there's usually a big bounce back. But after the huge downturn that we've had, the bounce back has not really bounced very high very slow recovery, and it's because of what I believe the heavy hand uh, of government. So there's a lot happening in the Senate. Uh, people say, what's going to come up? You know, the most uh, precious commodity is actually floor time, because it takes a lot of time to get some bills through. The whole issue uh, that we spent over a month on the floor uh, dealing with trafficking should have been done in a couple of days, and that delayed Loretta Lynch's nomination going forward as Attorney General. Uh, which passed with a pretty strong bipartisan uh, vote. I voted against, but many Republicans voted uh, in favor of her. But anyway, that took about a month off of the calendar. So we want to continue with bringing to the floor bipartisan bills that pass, come out of the committees through the regular committee process. And to the point that now we're seeing the headlines that the stagnation in the Senate really was all about Harry Reid 
and, uh, and, a, and a, an obstructive uh, effort to basically stop the Senate from acting. And we're getting lots of comments from Democrat senators who actually like it better this way, uh, to the point that one of the uh, you know, leaders said to me the other night that he said, you know, look, whatever happens, don't go down the mistake track that we took where we were going to block votes so that we could protect our members from having to take tough votes. Uh, and, and this is a pretty liberal member of the Democrat Party who just saw what a mistake that was to not even allow their own members or make their own members take votes. So uh, those are the issues that we're looking at. We're trying to get the country to act more like the energy power that it is. We're an energy superpower. Energy should be an instrument um, internationally. We should use that power as an instrument for force and change. Uh, we're trying to work, again, bipartisan bills to export liquefied natural gas. We're trying to work to get the oil export uh, ban uh, lifted so that we can use our energy. It helps us with our balance of trade. It helps with jobs. And of course, it, it uh, helps undermine Vladimir Putin. Uh, energy has changed dramatically uh, in the last number of years. Uh, one related to uh, advances in technology, where uh, with new technology and horizontal drilling and uh, uh, different directional drilling, we are now producing more and more energy than ever. You know, we were at a point where we were going to import liquefied natural gas. Now we have an abundance. And, uh, Abe was here yesterday from Japan. I met with him a little earlier this year. They want to buy our LNG. I'm going to talk to Carolyn Kennedy about it later today. Uh, there's a huge demand for what we have to sell. And the thing that's slowing it all down is just getting the permits to do it, the permission to build the infrastructure to do it, being able to uh, explore on federal land. Because any increases is actually on state land and private land. So the federal land, and the feds are the ones that have the greatest opportunity to benefit tax-wise if we go explore for energy, but we're held hostage by, I believe, by environmental extremists who are stopping. So we're going to make a push there. We have the upcoming King decision coming on the health care law, and I can answer questions uh, related to that. Trade to me is very important. I think we ought to be su uh, supportive of um, more trade. I think that's something that builds the economy. The president has mentioned it in the last five um, State of the Union addresses. I talked to the trade rep yesterday uh, about that. They're pushing it. But the, the, the opposition is coming from uh, the president's own party. So I'm hoping that he's able to convince his own party to vote for something that I think would be of long-term nature. And it's interesting to watch Hillary Clinton when Bill did, all, did, did a lot of trade activity. Now she is trying to backstep from that as she... I'm not even going to start on that. <laughs> I'm happy, Jim, to answer as many questions as, as you like, given the time. I know you have folks here that want to ask questions, and uh, we can do it that way, or I can okay. keep talking Perfect. about any of the specific topics that are up, including the Iran sanctions bill that's on the on the floor now, and the issue of what, uh, the, what kind of deal the president is going to cut with, uh, with Iran at a time of significant unrest around the world, because as a member of the Foreign Relations Committee, uh, I'm pretty heavily weighed into these things. Fantastic. Well, Beverly, you did such a great job. We will let you either ask the first or the last question. I'll go ahead now. Um, I just want to start by saying thanks for all you did on the energy issues, and another committee will move the bill um, <coughs> hopefully in the next several months. But the question I want to ask is, how do you see the Exxon Bank reauthorization issue playing out? Yeah, the, uh, we actually had a presentation yesterday uh, in, uh, in steering committee and Jeb Henselin came over to present one side. Uh, 
Mark Kirk spoke on the other side of that. Um, I'm not sure how it's going to play out, but it's, you know, five, eight years from now, it's not going to be there anymore. I don't know if it's this time or when it's going to happen. Uh, but, uh, and specifically, it's something you wouldn't expect to hear about a lot at home, but I was at an Arby's getting a roast beef sandwich at lunch in Riverton, Wyoming. And Pat knows that he's been there, he's eaten there many a time. And George Will had written a column about it and was very critical. And these people read George Will in the local paper. And, uh, and said and, and made negative comments about it. So when you start hearing about that at home, because uh, most people you think don't really know that much about it, uh, I don't expect it's going to be there in the long run. John asked me about uh, Iran. Paula put him up to the question. I think I know she's not here because you know, other than me, he's the most overmarried man I know. <laughs> Two lucky guys named John. You know, what you say? There's something about it. Um, I, I think we all agree that Iran with a nuclear weapon makes the world less safe, less secure, less stable. The, it's the sanctions, I think, that really drove Iran to the negotiating table. And these were the sanctions that the House and Senate put on Iran. Uh, we did it with the president opposed. He kept kicking and screaming all the way through, and it passed with 100 votes in the Senate. So then he had to, had to enforce, had to, had to sign. So they go to the table, they start negotiating, they want to lift the sanctions. They will do anything they can to get the money. Because you're talking over $100 billion that Iran gets if the sanctions are lifted. I don't believe they're going to use that money to build hospitals or schools or roads. I think they're going to use it for more terrorism and to allow it to continue to expand. Because Iran right now, kind of think of the the map of that region of the world. I mean, they're not just in Iran, they're in Iran. They're the ground troops in Iraq in the fight against ISIS, a, a void that we created by pulling our troops out, even though, because President Obama made a decision about, a political decision and then a promise and pulled them out when the generals were saying, leave us, stay behind force there. We're flying, we're flying bombers over Iraq, but Iran's on the ground with the Iraqi troops. So when ISIS goes away, it's Iran and their troops on the ground that have Iraq. We know they're in Syria, we know they're in Lebanon with Hezbollah, they're in, with Hamas in, in, in Gaza, and now they're in Yemen. So I think that if Iran gets a nuclear weapon and this deal goes through, I think you're looking at Iran 10 years from now that's a military power, an industrial power, and a nuclear power. And I just think they can't be trusted, any kind of deal with them. If you're going to, and Thomas Friedman wrote a column about this in the New York Times. He said, if you're going to make a deal with somebody you trust, it can be a pretty complicated deal. But if you're going to make a deal with somebody you don't trust, it has to be really simple. So we're seeing the Obama administration talking about one side, and the, and the Iranians saying, no, no, it doesn't say that at all. It says all these other things. So you know that there's going to be trouble. We want to do inspections. We want to make sure it's verifiable, accountable, enforceable. So, you know. Can you make an inspection anytime, anywhere, or do you have to make an appointment for a week from Tuesday to go in? And what do you do? The president said, well, there'll be snapbacks of the sanctions. I don't believe that Russia is going to want to join us as the, you know, the P5 plus one. I don't believe China is going to want to join us to snap back the sanctions. I think once they're up, it's going to be very hard, in spite of what the president may say, to do that. But remember, two years ago, and the, and the Washington Post is critical of the president on this, too, he said the whole goal of the discussions with Iran is to make sure that they can't have a nuclear weapon. It's to stop the nuclear weapons development in Iran. 
Now it's about managing it. It's not about stopping, it's just delaying it. And even the White House would admit that a dozen years from now they will absolutely have a nuclear weapon. So I just I have a lot of concerns. We want to review the deal. The President, remember, wanted to go right to the United Nations and bypass the elected representatives of the, of the people of this country. We were able to put a stop to that with bipartisan legislation. That's on the floor today. We're dealing with the amendments. But the President hopes we put some kind of an amendment on it that then lets him veto it and lets the Democrats in. Because he doesn't want any, he doesn't want any approval by Congress. Uh, I'd like actually stronger approval by Congress. Are you going to yeah. hold on the amendment process? The, uh, we did an amendment yesterday. We did one amendment the other day. But it looks like there is a group who will, it doesn't look like many amendments, if any, will get, uh, will get added on. Senator, I just want to say, first of all, thank you for your support on SGR, the leadership in the Well, that will be the final question because it'll take about an hour and a half to go through all of it. The, uh, the first was thanking us for finally, after kicking the can 17 times, finding a solution to the sustainable growth rate model uh, for Medicare. It was really a bipartisan effort by Nancy Pelosi and by uh, John Boehner. Got with 392 votes in the, in the House, passed with 90 some in the, uh, in the Senate. People were tired of it. We wanted to move on. It's interesting, though, some of the things we would have liked to have seen included in what came out of the House, whether it was the medical device tax, whether the health insurance tax, the Cadillac tax, things that we wanted to get out. The Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi was very clear that anything related to the health care law was off the table. There were not going to be any chinks in what the president says is a law that is working even better than he expected and that people should forcefully defend and be proud of. So it's interesting how dug in they are in any efforts to try to do things with the health care law are a concern. You asked about the hospitals. There are 43 hospitals in the United States that have closed since the health care law has passed. They're all rural hospitals. So the huge impact on rural communities because of the health care law. And Zeke Emanuel, Rahm's brother, who was the so-called architect of the health care law, has said that he's expecting that we have too many hospitals in America. He said there are about a thousand too many hospitals in America. There'll be a thousand closing in the next six or eight years. Those are hospitals in small communities. I mean, that's rural America. That's, those are the, and, and if you lose a hospital, uh, and there's a story in the Wall Street Journal today about a hospital in a community in Nebraska, and it's, it, I mean, it's the foundation of their economy. If you lose a hospital in a small community, much harder to get a teacher to move to town, harder to get a doctor to move to town, harder to get a business to move to town, but that's their model. That it does, they don't kind of, the people that wrote the regulation and wrote the law behind closed doors really don't understand a lot of what rural America is all about. So we're trying to deal with, with a lot of that. You asked when, when the health committee is going to take it up, because Lamar and Patty are working on that and the Cures Act and those sorts of things. The, uh, there, the, what's going to come out of that committee first and go to take up the floor time first is going to be, is going to be education. It's going to be the Education Act. It's a bipartisan agreement. That's uh, come out of committee. They've had a again a bipartisan meeting in the middle approach with amendments being voted on. Pat, I mean they got they got consensus across the board. And this is something we ought to be able to pass and get moved on and get signed. Uh, and there's been just 
too much of an effort over the years of Harry Reid telling Democrats not to work with Republicans, and they saw the impact of that with the election, so we're moving well there. But I think the medical component right now, the next focus is going to be King v. Burwell, and we're expecting a Supreme Court ruling coming out in June, or later in June, to see what the results are of that and the impact of uh, the number of people and how to help, how to protect the people, but how to get them transitioned away from Obamacare and get them the freedom that they deserve. Really patient, focused care rather than one size fits all that really doesn't work a lot of places in our communities. Uh, yeah, Tim. Um, you mentioned a couple of energy initiatives. Do you eventually see the Senate taking up these individually or bundling them together, sort of under the all of the above? Yeah, the. Um, just because of the time on the Senate floor, we're, it'll likely be a combined effort with LNG, with some of the things that Lisa's, uh, Lisa's talking about. Yeah. Uh, and she has an interesting amendment that, that she's trying to bring Lisa Murkowski, chairman of the Energy Committee, to the even the Iran sanctions bill. If we're going to raise lift sanctions and allow Iran to export an additional 800,000 barrels a day of oil, why wouldn't we then lift sanctions against America so America could export some of its oil on a daily basis too, at least as much as Iran is exporting? People are scratching their heads about that amendment because it's, but I'd love to see that on the sanctions. You asked if we were going to be holding on that, and I don't know if that's going to get on or not, but it's an interesting thought process. So likely, I mean, we have that, we have my LNG bill, we have this other bill, there are a number of things to get to the floor, we're likely to have to put it all together as one uh, one energy package. Yes, ma'am. Yes, with, with all the budget <coughs> pressures that you know, you're facing, do you expect that the formula that determines the reimbursement for Medicare Part B drugs will be under pressure? There's been a number of articles recently about <coughs> drug companies buying other drug companies and increasing the cost of the drug of the company that's being acquired. And I just wondered if that's going to, if you think that might come under pressure, that it's an ASP plus, it's, yeah. you know. And the, the question on what's going to come, it's all going to come, everything's going to come under pressure. We have an $18 trillion debt. Interest yeah. rates are at an all-time low. If interest rates were to go to the traditional rate, Kathy, that people were playing, paying for houses in Cheyenne, you know, 10 years ago, at that interest rate, there'd be no money for anything. I mean, you know, if we got just a you know, 5%, 6% interest rate, uh, and we were paying that on the debt, there's very little money left over for anything in this country. So everything is going to continue under pressure. The, uh, you know, we've now passed a budget. We've, we've gone to the uh, process of a, of a conference committee. The House is going to pass it tomorrow. We'll do it on Monday or Tuesday. And then we'll actually go to the process of going to appropriations committees where they work under the budget, regular order, come out with things. So I mean, that's going to be an opportunity to weigh in. Uh, on, on all of it, but I would expect that's going to also be felt. There's only so much money, and it's, those are the group, uh, uh, Dave Dernberg, a former senator from Minnesota, brings this group of students here every year, and one kid said, can't you just talk about, like you sit in a room and agree, and like moms and dads talk about things and solve these problems, and what's best for the family? I said, well, you know, sometimes moms and dads disagree <laughs> on what's best for the family. Uh, and you got to say, what's it going to cost and who's going to pay for it? And how much money do we have? And with this kind of a debt or this kind of a mortgage, what are you going to do? And right now the debt on every American is about $57,000, man, woman, and child. So we're trying to say, how do you do it and grow the economy, get people back to work, and at the same time uh, be able to 
do the things that are in the vital interest to the United States, also things that are important. There are a lot of things that are very nice or better, many good ideas out there, but there's not enough money for everything, and how do we make sure that, that, that we have funding for the vital things and protect our country and national security? Uh, and the debate now is, you know, I think, uh, you know, Chuck Schumer has said, well, for every additional dollar in military, we want an additional dollar in domestic. And it's a, I mean, it's a nice talking point, but you've got to say, what's, what do you do, need to do to protect the country in time when things are very dangerous in the world? Probably time for what, one more, Jim. Yes, uh, Dave. You, you mentioned Iran and Russia and China uh, in your answer to the uh, nuclear discussions. Those countries are often mentioned also in the context of cybersecurity. Uh, and there's a strong vote uh, out of the House on some information sharing bills. Do you see floor time for cyber coming up anytime soon? Yeah, I, I think it's really necessary to do that. Uh, Richard Byrd talked about it uh, earlier this week in a, in a meeting of different chairmen. Uh, getting to that, so that the president's emails, personal emails, are being read by the Russians. Uh, we're under constant attack. Our energy grid is under attack. The banking system is under attack. Health records are under attack. There is an incredible amount of attack coming from all the places. So, yeah, it's, I think it's important to do that. Uh, and also, the Patriot Act is coming up, and what, where the roles from what, what data one gathers. Uh, and, and what, what the access to that is with megadata. So you know, there, are, there are so many things that need to be done in a limited period of time. And you know, that's, that's the issue is what gets to the floor and what doesn't and what gets dragged on and takes too much time.